There you go. There it is. Breaker, breaker. I forgot to turn on the mic. There it is. Jace Warren Griffiths, the pastor of this place. So glad you're here this morning. I got a couple announcements for us. One of them is right after the service, we have a potluck. And if you didn't bring any food, don't worry. I didn't either. Uh, let's come over and we'll hang out together and eat some food and break bread together. It's going to be fun. Um, on July 28th, uh, he's going to be visiting Salam. That guy's amazing. I just learned about that guy. Church picnic is next Sunday, and there's going to be a bounce house or a slide or something. Something's going to happen. A water slide is going to happen at the, in, in this little lawn right here. And today there's going to be a deacon's offering. Everybody doing okay? Everybody can hear me, right? Okay, good. You in the back, Ian? All right, game time. <laughs> Let's uh, stand up and greet. Oh, before you do that, pass those things down the aisle at some point. What are they called? Friendship pads? <laughs> Log in this morning <laughs> using your keyword and key code. Everybody stand and greet one another. Phil, I'm throwing your curveballs, saying hi to people. Please stand for this morning's call to worship. We're going to skip over the prayer right after the call to worship, too. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. August 30th, that was Friday evening, uh, a new moon. It was a new moon. And it coincides with the lectionary psalm for the day. And we're going to use this as our call to worship. And yes, it is a communion Sunday. And yes, you can be happy and take communion. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the tump trumpet at the new moon. Blow the trumpet at the new moon. Everybody, shh. I'm waiting for the trumpet. Blow the trumpet at the new moon. All right, everybody just go, ba, 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 ba. Ready? Blow the trumpet at the new moon. Let's, let's, let's worship the Lord.
watch this. Raise your hand if you are a teacher or a retired teacher. once a student. Matter of fact, the only thing we know about Jesus in his childhood is that he was a student. And I'm going to talk about that and tell you that story today. And it's from Luke 2, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Well, Mary and Joseph were obedient to God's laws. And God, uh, they raised his son, to be also obedient to God's laws. And one of his, God's laws was that three times a year, all the men had to go to Jerusalem. And so during the feast of Passover, Mary and Joseph joined all their family, all their friends, and they walked all the way from Nazareth, their home, and they walked all the way to Jerusalem. And you know what, there weren't any Uber donkeys then, so everybody was walking and walking. It was a long walk. It took almost a day. And when they got there, then the men could go into the temple, and all the women and the children went into the courtyard. Well, this was a very special year for Joseph or Jesus because he was 12 years old. And in the Jewish tradition, then he would become a man at 12. Now, see, didn't you just have a birthday? And you were like 16, I think? 14? Okay. Then that means you've been a man for two years in the Jewish tradition, and you've been working for two years. How's that going for you? Lucky <laughs> to be a 12-year-old today. Well, as they went into the temple to worship, it'd been a long, long walk and a long day. And then they all gathered again, the families and the friends, and they started back the long walk. The long walk back to Nazareth. And then all of a sudden, Mary, she's kind of looking around and she's going like, where's Jesus? Where'd he go? Joseph, Joseph, where's Jesus? You have Jesus? And he goes, no, I thought he was with you and all the other children. And she goes, no, he's a man. He's And so they stand there and they listen, 
And Jesus is listening to the rabbis, the teachers, and he's also talking. And he's asking questions. Well, Mary, she's pretty tired now. She's a typical mom. And she goes up and she says, child. She doesn't say, Jesus. You know how we go, you know, like first and last middle name when your mom's kind of angry. She just goes, child. Where have you been? Don't you know your father and I have been worried and looking for you? Do you know what Jesus said? He said, why would you be looking for me? I was in my father's house. And they kind of what? Because they're thinking Joseph's house. But they stood there and they thought for a minute, you know what? Jesus is carrying out God's will. Because Jesus had been a good student. And now, at 12, he had become a wise teacher. Well, they left the temple and they started the walk back to Nazareth. Long walk, lots of people on the, the roads, but um, they were happy to have Jesus back with them. When they got back to Nazareth, he continued his studies and he went to worship meetings. And he became such a good student. He always paid attention and he asked very good uh, questions. And he learned many things from the Bible. And that's the example that he set for you and for me and for all the students out here. We want to be like Jesus and follow his example. We want to pay attention and we want to ask good questions. So will you pray with me now? Our Lord God, in your wisdom and love, you surround us with the mysteries of the universe. Send your spirit upon these students and fill them with your wisdom and blessings. Grant that they may devote themselves to their studies and draw closer to you, the source of all knowledge. And thank you for the amazing teachers who have given their lives to serve our children. As they prepare for the new year, fill them with strength to lead and grace to guide. Bless them for their willingness to educate the next generation. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to give you a symbol here of my many years of teaching, and I think for many teachers, an apple. This is a kind of a symbol of knowledge, and in some countries, they even paid the teachers in uh, apples. This was hundreds of years ago. But that's another source of why we have this symbol for teachers. So you may take an apple and you may either eat it and gain knowledge or you may give it to your teacher uh, this week as you start school. Okay, you may take an apple and you may go back to your class now. Who knew? 
when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply Longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything I've made, when it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. King of endless world, no one could express how much you deserve. Oh 
be seated. Thank you, band. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because we have faith in him, we dare to approach the throne of God. So in faith and in penitence, let us together confess our sins against God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have refused to hear the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear the good news. Who? Who among us is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. The new life has begun. Know that you and I, we are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. This is a real special song to me. It's just such a beautiful prayer to the Lord, so I hope that you like it. It's called to Help Me. Lord, help me walk. 
Psalm chapter 81. I'll start by reading the first verse and then I'll skip down and read 10 through 61. Uh, 16, not 61. That'd make it a longer Sunday, right? <laughs> and since everybody's giggling, I, somebody handed me some keys that were found by Elsie. My, not my Elsie, the other Elsie. The first key. So I'll leave them with the sound person. I don't know. I don't know why people are handing me keys. I'm the last guy. They, I kind of need a new Honda. No, I'm just playing. Key personnel. That's a punditry. That's some good. Okay, let's uh, Psalm 91 or 81. Here it is. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. 
But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy. This is the word of the Lord. I already told you that I went to Israel, uh, yeah, the Holy Land, back in February. And I already told you the story about a, a, a hero of mine, mentor, friend, Fred Frank, who's gone to be with the Lord. He died uh, about five years ago, but he was a professional singer. And he had this booming voice, and he would sing from the, you know, from the inside. It was, he sang for Christ's Cathedral, so I don't know if you ever met him. Um, he, back in the 70s or something like that. And he was, he was one of the pigs in Charlotte's Web. And so he would always show me these royalty checks for like seven cents because it had played on some weird TV show. And I heard his voice. I told you that story as we're going up, to the, going up the hill to Jerusalem. Even though I don't think I've ever heard him sing that song, he, I heard him, were you there? Um, as part of this story, also, you got to know my, my wife, or not my wife, that's my wife right there. She's beautiful. <laughs> she knows where I'm going. I'm telling the I went Fred Frank story. Anywho. Um, so in 2003, I lost my, my mom to cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer. And it as well was, it, that's, that's my mom's song. That's just, that, that's it. Like, you know. And so fast forward, we went up the hill, bawling. You remember that story? I was crying left and right. Just because it's a holy experience. It's an amazing place to be. Anyway, that's another, I'll do a sales pitch about that some other day. But then we, we went to bed, and we went to where the, the shepherds, do you remember, have you, you remember the Bible? Anybody heard that story? There's the shepherds out on the hill, and the angels, you know, appear to them. And some, somebody somewhere thought it'd be a wise idea to build this acoustically perfect sanctuary at this place. And so you walk into this room, and everybody takes turns singing. And... Um, we, uh, and so there, were, there was a couple groups before us, but then after us, there was nobody. So we sang one song, and it was like a contemporary worship song. And then I started on It As Well. And it was, have you been there? Anybody been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. By the way, you guys are a bunch of teachers. <laughs> that's awesome. I get reminded of that every once in a while. That's awesome. It's, you stand in the middle of this, and it makes, I, my voice isn't very good. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Like, people cringe. You know, some people, I've, I've, I've scared small children with this thing. And so I'm in the middle of this thing, and I just, I, I, I just let loose, because even my voice sounds amazing. And so I'm just, I'm channeling Fred Frank. I'm remembering, I'm like, I, miss, I miss my mom. I'm rem- and I'm in the middle of this thing, just screaming with all my lungs, and I'm yelling and uh, I kind of wish I could do it, but I don't want to blow anybody's eardrums. But I'm screaming like crazy, and everybody just is looking at me like I'm a crazy person. You know, like there's, 
And, and so I'm walking out, and Malia goes, you went full Fred Frank, man. <laughs> you went full Fred Frank. Uh, and I say that because I think the church, we don't go full Fred Frank. We, we're too quiet. Um, and as we're ending this series on the Psalms, I want to recognize there's, there's parts in here that, that say shout. There's, like, you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be like fired up. Uh, I said that as Johnny M was coming. Yeah, I said, how do you feel today? Fired up. And he was like, okay. <laughs> but that fire, like, shout, get louder. You know, at these opportunities where we get to sing, I don't think it's like, it's one of those metaphorical things. Every once in a while, get loud. Let's get crazy with it. Let's mix it up. Let's throw, that's, that's another one. Also, I just want to, if you're not that loud, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I preached this sermon. It seems like the last, the first three Sundays I've been here, there's been this sad tinge because there's all kinds of, the number one lesson that you should pull out of the Psalms is don't fake it. How many of us are, have a fake face on today? We're, we're, we're pretending we're happy when we're not, or we're actually really happy and we, like, people around us are making us bummed, <laughs> you know? You ever walk into a room and everybody's frowning and you're like, okay, I'm sad too, you know? I feel like that happens a lot around here. And vice versa. I want to, loud and clear, give everyone in the room permission to feel. You know, to feel and be genuine. And so then the psalmist moves from shout to the Lord. He's the God of our Jacob, you know, the, the guy that got his name changed to Israel. And then he, he goes through and he, right at verse 9, I didn't read verse 9, but there, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. That's the verse right before we pick up. And then it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, the land, the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and fill it. N.T. Wright, great theologian. He used to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. He's this Anglican dude. Brilliant. He came out with his book a little while ago. It transformed me with, with some key questions. But here's a quote from that book. The human problem is not so much sin as the breaking of moral codes, seen as the breaking of moral codes, though that, to be sure, is a part of it. Just as the headaches and blurry vision really were part of the medical problem. He's talking about a person that had a brain tumor. But rather idolatry and the distortion of genuine humanness it produces. These two mistakes go together, reinforcing the, the basic heaven and earth dualism that continues to haunt Western theology. He's talking about, he, he has this, I forgot to tell you the story. He, he starts that, he, he's talking about this person that has a brain tumor and he has headaches. And the headaches are just the symptom. 
But the problem is there's a tumor in his head. And he's making this comparison with the church where we often think that we don't, we don't deal with idolatry. We don't idolize things. When we read, we don't, have, we, we don't have the same problem as the people mentioned in verse 9. We don't bow to other gods. And so we take ourselves out of the text. And N.T. Wright says, no, 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 no. The church, you've been saying, we don't do this. We don't, we, 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 we've been attacking the symptoms for far, far too long. We need to talk the root. At our root, it's not our sin that's our problem. It's our, our idolatry. It's our putting things before God that leads to our sin. It's the putting even family before God that leads us to think that this world is all about family. It is and it isn't because it's not about family. It's actually about God. And God is a jealous God, and that comes up over and over. And he continually says that message Stop putting things before me. Stop thinking of me last. Stop waking up and making the to-do list. And nowhere on that to-do list is worship God and spend time with God. Stop it. Don't bow to other things. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods, he defines idolatry as putting undue Praise or adoration upon something that cannot hold under it. Do you follow? It's putting my focus on something that was never meant to be my focus. Everybody's always heard, you know, like jobs or money makes a good servant horrible master, right? Fill that in with everything. Family makes a good servant horrible master. Work makes a good servant horrible master. Once you've made something your master, that is your idol. That is the thing that is holding the seat that God rightfully owns. And he says, don't do it. Don't bow to foreign gods. Worship me. And then in verse 12, he says, and so I hand them over. In the Hebrew, it says, I let it be so. I don't remember who it was. It was uh, one of those old saints of the church in my, in, when I was growing up. And she would always say, God is a gentleman. Have you ever heard that? I love it because it's true. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force us to worship him. God doesn't, he doesn't want robots. He doesn't play that game. In fact, he waits for us. He wants us to choose him. He says, let it be so. Who who in here has children that that's the stage they're in right now? They're just walking the wrong direction. Now put yourself in that shoe. Have you ever been there? Have you ever said, hey, God, I'll pick it up next week. I want to walk in my own direction. God is a gentleman. He says, 
you do you. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> you know? And then he says the comforting stuff. The psalmist starts to doing some theology again. Like I said before, this is my, these are my favorite parts of the Bible is when you get to see the God behind this book. Verses 14 through 16. They don't know how good of a God I am. That's basically what the, the psalmist is, is saying to us this morning. We don't know how good of a God we serve is. We can't fathom a being that is on our side, win, lose, or draw. We can't fathom anything that doesn't sleep but is always in our corner. We can't wrap our minds around it. He throws out some hints to help us. But in the end, the invitation is the same as all these other psalms, is get lost in this God that's incomprehensible. Eternally in every direction, love. Try and think on that, right? Try and sum that up in a song. He says in verse 15, I can't wait till they listen to me and I can come to their rescue. I've mentioned before I used to work for Northeast of the Well and I, I, I dealt with some serious criminals. Like there were, there were criminals that had been transformed by God's grace. And they're the real deal. They got tats on their face, and you know, like they have, they, they're nuts. They're crazy about Jesus. But I remember one time I was going to this Presbytery meeting, and I'm not a, uh, I'm I'm a Presbyterian, and I'm an ordained Presbyterian pastor, but I'm a Christian above that. And most Presbyterians don't really get along with me because I don't really fit in the. I'm a little too loud and a little too annoying. So I'm going to this Presbytery meeting, and I think I'm going to get yelled at, which I did, but. I'm going to this Presbyterian meeting, and I'm nervous. I turn into a little kid going into his dad's office, you know, or dad's room, you know. I didn't want to get yelled at. Right at that moment, as I'm about to walk in, I look at my cell phone because I'm about to turn it off because I don't want to get a call and get yelled at again. But I see Daniel Delgado, a legit teen challenge guy. Beautiful. And he says, Jason... I got your back. And it just, it seeped into me. And then I came up with my phrase, I'm going to out-Presbyterian every Presbyterian. (laughs) They're going to say, wait. I'm going to say, I'm going to wait longer. (laughs) And so I gave my game plan, and it's amazing. Anyway, that's another sermon. But imagine right now, the God of the universe texting you, saying, I got your back. Ain't no wall you can, you, that's going to stop you. Ain't no enemy going to take you down. Nothing. Nothing. And then he goes on to verse 16, he says, and he ends it. 
And he says, I can't wait till they come back and they listen to me. And I can, I can just shower them with gifts. Have you ever been in one of those waterfalls? Or a waterfall? I guess one of those waterfalls. Or one of those showers that's a waterfall shower. I was house-sitting for a... <laughs> remember that, Malia? Me and Malia were house-sitting for some friends, and they had one of those waterfall showers. Have you ever been in one of those? They're, like, huge. There's, like, this thing above you, and it just dumps water on you. It's like... <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. I'm never leaving right here. <laughs> Come bring me my dinner. You know, like, I just did not want to leave. That's what he wants to do. God, he... He longs for it. I remember my, I married into a pastor. Uh, my wife's dad, Mark, big Mark, you probably met him. He was here my first Sunday. He's a pastor out in Green Bay, Wisconsin. When he lived in this area, he, 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 was, he was behind the starting of Serve Day with Rock Harbor. And then he was also behind this, he was trying to get this thing going called the wind. It was, uh, it was trying to get different worship bands to just actually, it was actually the roots of one voice we, we celebrated last Thursday. You know, like, it was, it was the one voice before the one voice. Just get churches together to start worshiping God together, to start listening to John 17, you know. And I remember he invited this gospel singer. And this gospel singer, and it was much like this congregation, they were like, we're pretty white, right? <laughs> we're pretty, we're pretty, oh my gosh, I almost died. You ready to catch me? And this gospel singer, he starts noticing that nobody's singing. And so he says, slow it down, slow it down. And he looks people in the eye and he says, you know, like he'll look at you, Bob, and he, go, and he goes, sweeter than a honey on a honeycomb. And if you don't sing sweeter than a honey on a honeycomb, he just said it again. Sweeter than a honey on a honeycomb. Just a little louder until they started singing back. Let's do that. Sweeter than a honey on a honeycomb. And we just we repeated that until everybody in the room, he did one by one, he was going after us. And at the end, everybody was filled with this joyful spirit, you know, that a gospel band can rock a room with, right? That's what the psalmist ends with. Imagine people that lived out in the desert and how sweet honey was. Could you imagine anything sweeter than sweeter than the honey on a honeycomb? You can't. That's why he ends with this, this amazing phrase. No, you don't get it. The God of the universe is in your corner. Not only that, he wants to dump blessings on you. He wants you to feel sweet things that surpass anything you can possibly comprehend. How do you apply this? First, we need to listen. Well, actually, first, permission to feel. Permission to feel however you feel when you walk in this place. Stop faking it. Start meeting God in this place in a new way. Stop pretending. Maybe you don't know any answers. Find some, find, uh, ask some questions. Come next Sunday and start thinking about some of this stuff. Maybe you've been down and you just need to be left alone. Say, hey, leave me alone, church. I just want to be with God today. And then listen. You remember that story? There was a story where there's a, there was this, this guy working in the barn, 
and he drops his pocket watch, and it's a pocket watch that his great-grandfather had in the Civil War or something like that. And so the guy walks in, and he's just really down, and he's at dinner. And then the son disappears for a while. And then after dinner, he's about to scold the son. He's like, where were you? He said, I found your watch, Dad. He goes, whoa, how'd you do that? That's a really big barn. There's a lot of hay. There's a lot of everything in there. He said, it was simple. I just waited till everybody was gone, made sure the lights were out, and I sat on the ground and listened for the ticking. Listen for the sound of voice of God. Put it in your day planner. Stop putting things that don't, they can't be supported. They'll be crushed if you start to like, idolize them. If you start to put them before God, they'll be crushed. Stop doing that. Put God on his rightful throne and listen for his voice. Do you need to hear today that God has your back? Let's meditate on the truth that God has good gifts as we draw closer to this table later in the service. Now let's sing, stand and sing hymn number 687, God of Our Fathers.
I was spending time the other day with the M family, actually my wife and I were, and we were talking about the travels that we'd been on, and every single time we went on a trip, and maybe some of you have experienced this too, on these trips, we go in thinking, man, we're going we're gonna to teach some people some stuff. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna go and, and, and have some really good times. But it always comes back as so much more than that, right? When you go on these trips, you go on these missions trips, you end up learning. You end up experiencing life. You end up getting this is the part of the service where we offer our tithes and our offerings. And that's more than just simply checking something off the list and say, oh yeah, I gave my money to the church or I, or I did this and, you know. This is actually a time, an invitation to give to God 10% of your stuff, your first fruits. And as you give, you start to experience this getting from God. As you start to realize it all comes from God and we're all giving it back to God, you start to realize things are not as important as people. And there's life to be found in giving control more and more over to God and Him just leading and directing. This morning's offerings and tithes are now received.
obviously, I guess. The rookie had it right. I don't know what everybody's looking at me for. There was an <laughs> asterisk right there. Please stand for the next thing. But I'm glad we did sit down because that's a, what an amazing hymn, right? It's got the joyful lyrics, but the saddest tune I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, this, like I said, this is a lot of things. The Lord's table is a lot of things. The Catholics, in certain ways, have it right, and they call it Eucharist, give thanks. This is a festive party. This is where we celebrate the good gift of Jesus the Christ sent from the Father on our behalf. I don't know where you are this morning, but this table says, from God above, I want to meet you there. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered around his 12 disciples and he, he picked up the Passover bread and he says, no, I'm going to make a new covenant. This is my body broken and given for you. We're going to pass out the bread right now. Ushers, please stand. And you guys can stay right where you're at, and I'll bring the plates to you. This is a party. Did I tell you that? Everybody looks a little sad, but I still love you. Bob, you need one of those. This is Christ's body broken for you. That was awesome. That was awesome. It was like that freeze tag or whatever, and June was going like this for the tape. Okay. Body of Christ broken for everybody.
we're going to, Sharon's going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. You sent your only begotten, in whom your presence dwells, to be for us the way, the truth, and the life. Revealing your love, Jesus taught those who would hear him, healed those who believed in him, and received all who sought him and lifted the burden of their sin. We glorify you for your great power and love at work in Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made us new people by water and the Spirit. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take this bread and this wine from the gifts you have given us and celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Gracious God, pour out your Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and cup, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name, that we may be one in ministry in every place. As this is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. We worship you, God, Christ, and Holy Spirit forevermore. Amen. Amen. It is so wonderful having you back. I was so, like, right? Everybody, let's praise Jesus right there. What a team. What a team we got. And you're going to pray after this, right? Is that okay? Okay. She looks ready, right? Put me in, coach. And the same way, after he had given thanks in broken bread, he said this used to be that blood that, they, that symbolized that blood on the doorpost that the angel of death would pass over in the Exodus event. And it's no, it's no more. I've come to fulfill that covenant and bring a new one. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And Paul later adds in his letter to the Corinthian people, he says, as often we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim that the Lord is our Savior and he's coming back for each and every one of us. Servers, please stand. I'll bring you a trace.
Presbyterian people are going crazy right now. <laughs> I'm throwing all kinds of curveballs. What's going on around here? I thought you guys would be like habit, like I'd walk into all these habits and it's good, it's good. You're supposed to hold on to the cup and we all drink it together, but if you have already drank your cup, Jesus loves you still, right? <laughs> right? Yes. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. John Knox, the guy who started this whole thing, would be thrilled. He, he was, he was that, you don't know, if you haven't done much Presbyterian history, this guy named John Knox is behind the Presbyterian denomination, and he was on fuego for fire, for Jesus. That guy was a radical evangelist. And he, when he, he, he would do the Lord's Supper, he was, it was a, it was a festive party, you know? And there's that in this place, too. Like I said at the beginning of my message, it's okay to come to the table however you come, just as long as you come. This is Christ's body poured out for you. All right, let's stand. Right? Now, I was new at this last time, and at some point you guys hold hands and do something crazy. <laughs> That's after the benediction? Yes, after the benediction. After the benediction. All right, still learning the ropes. You're training me, Sharon. You're hanging in there with me. I got your back. Okay. I got your back right there, literally, right there. It's, a, it's like the fourth part of the Trinity right behind me. <laughs> Love this. Now, may God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Who are